Hi, David. Welcome to our sixth episode of the podcast. It's really nice to be back. I wasn't sure you were going to have me back. <laughs> I mean, I was debating it, but you know what? A lot of people have really been pulling for you, so I'm, I'm happy that you're here uh, with us. It's <laughs> 9 o'clock at night. We're at our dining room table. Nobody's playing Fortnite. Nobody's playing Fortnite, so it's a win all around. Meaning Yael, our daughter, is off in Shirut Lumi, and Yoni and Eitan, the next two, who would be like crowding our space now, are at a basketball game, and Hanan and Dover, I hope, sleeping? Dover's asleep, Hanan, I think so. Okay, great. So this seems to be the perfect time to um, go over to episode six. It's pretty um, shocking that we've made it this far. Yes. <laughs> um, the first five episodes were great. I still love doing it. Have you been listening to them? I have been. I enjoy it. Enjoy- sometimes, Not- sometimes I get a little emotional. You get emotional. That's yeah. nice. Um, I'm enjoying it also. I get less emotional. I find that when I listen back, I laugh a lot, like through all of it, which I guess is either super annoying or it just makes it feel like, oh, I'm really, I am having a good time. Um, I am having a good time. I like it. I like unpacking things and thinking about it. No, it's nice to take a look back at what's been going on the past few years and, you know, package it. It's true. Repackage it, package it. So often, like, I'll start off by describing, like, where we are, what we're eating. So we're sitting at our dining room table, and this, again, goes to, like, define who we are. I have a Diet Coke, and just describe your drink for the I have, viewers. Um, the listeners. I, I have seltzer water with honey and fresh lemon juice. Right. I have to say, meaning I get that Diet Coke or Coke Zero is disgusting for all those health reasons, but your drink looks horrendous. It just does. I enjoy it, and I think it should be on the menu. <laughs> so you have put things on the menu. You have like a halavu dvash drink that you really like. Yes, I invented a new beverage. Okay, go ahead. Share. I learned a number of beverages that I enjoy. It, all, it started with, um, with um, oh, what was it called? I think you froth milk in this one. No, so there, there's halavu dvash, which is um, <clears throat> frothed soy milk um, on, um, on uh, snobby, fresh, super-duper honey. Yeah, sure. Okay. And that's the whole the whole drink is just that. Right. There's um It's like an ardent Zionist drink. Oh, here's here's one. Here's what I what I missed before. Ice ice stevia. Sure. It's iced tea with stevia. Mm-hmm. It's a great drink. It's great. It's a what's <laughs> a wonderful summer beverage. It comes out around um I think early June. Maybe maybe mid mid June, perhaps possibly. And this is a nice winter beverage. Um seltzer water, fresh lemonade. And fresh lemon juice and um, melted honey. I know this isn't the right time to sort of like get into our marriage and our life together, but this is I thought so, that was the point. <laughs> so definitional of like who we are that like my eyes are literally rolling back as you're describing those drinks. Well, as I'm completely enjoying them. And you totally enjoy them. And I guess like I'm happy for you. I'm happy. Uh, of course, the recipes for said drinks will be on the Papa Melech page in our podcast show notes in case you're like really concerned about how to get those drinks. Or if we're coming to your house, you can get that ready for me. <laughs> oh, I thought you'd bring it with you. No, people can do things. Okay, so really them. today we're going to talk about workshops, but I do want to say something about like if we go to places for Shabbat, because I do feel like twofold. One, when we opened the second bakery, either like some secret email went out to all of our friends in Alon Shvut when they were like, oh my God, everybody take pity on these poor people and invite them to your house because they are like barely holding it together. So I think like, or we were like interesting again. (laughs) I felt like for the past like year, like we've been on a little bit of a social roller coaster, even though I would also say that we suck as friends, meaning you in general, like 
you're not like, I think I would like, I'm the social person in our relationship and I probably make the plans. But have you noticed that we've had fewer plans since this all started? Yes. Yeah. Cause yeah, we're so yes. tired. Um, yeah, I think when, I think, you know, it, it, we talk about the bakery being a uh, camp. So when we were 20 and did this, <laughs> we were able to get up the next morning and be like, okay, we're doing this again. And now we just kind of need to sit on the couch and stare at the wall for a minute <clears throat> or an hour at the end of the day and be like, what just happened? Uh, yeah, I, I, I spend a lot of time with the what just happened sort of vibe, but that is true. So also thank you to all the people who have fed us for the past year and I would assume continue to feed us. And you're all invited here, obviously. Every once in a while we'll throw like a kiddish to like do a catch-all. Well, we opened a shul to do that. We did. We opened a minion, but I feel like that's a whole different... That's another podcast. It's another podcast. Uh, this week, we're starting off by saying, we're sorry there wasn't one last week. There wasn't a podcast last week because it was Yeshiva Week, which means that there were tons of workshops, and that sort of got us to the place where we could talk about why we even started with workshops and what that sort of means to you and what it means to me. Um, workshops are this wonderful opportunity to share what we do with um, lots of people, people that you don't know. Um, you know, a lot of people come into workshops because they've heard about it or they're looking for something to do. And we're able to like open up our little world to them and really share what we are um, doing in the bakery. And, and, and it, it's, it's um, all in all, they're, it, they're, they're, it's a wonderful experience. It takes that, a lot of energy. That feels mm. like, the way that you're talking about it feels like it comes from an ideological place, which I guess in theory it does. For me, it sort of came from a practical place because I always felt like when we started the bakery, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, like how are we going to make money? It felt very scary. And there was this one-two punch. Like we had, you know, David is making bread and we're selling that bread and that can sort of bring in some revenue. But the workshops felt like, you have this passion for teaching and you love teaching. And now here you're in this unique position to teach about the work, to teach about bread and to, you know, make bread with people or pretzels or rolls or focaccias or whatever it is. And that sort of felt like, oh, that's an additional way that we can sort of make money as we start off because I was panic stricken. Right. And I, I, I shared that with panic. you. Panic. You shared panic with no, me. No, I shared that concern. <laughs> you know, when, when we opened the bakery, we were like, we're not opening a bakery only we're opening a bakery and workshops and then the, there was this fight of when we were building the first place about like how much space does workshops get and how much space does the bakery get i think in <clears> general <throat> we always have that tension of like how much space also we're both eldest i think we've mentioned that before we're both eldest we both need validation and love from others <clears> which <throat> is like oldest marrying oldest is really legit a train wreck and i think we're doing great but there was this constant need to like, I was very focused on the workshops because that was a language I spoke because of the curriculum and I didn't speak the language of bread. Fair and it also came down to, in order to build something in Israel, maybe it's the same everywhere, but it's different tiles. So the tiles you use to bake bread in that area is one type of tile and the tiles used in the workshop is another type of tile. So we were literally arguing over like centimeters of who gets what. Right. So we, uh, we opened the bakery. We actually, the first thing we actually did there was workshops and not baking. Um, yes. Uh, no, I think you were baking a little. You were definitely baking uh, a little. When there were bit. no windows and no doors oh, right. and a sort of flimsy ramp in, we were doing workshops. Well, before. I always say that that first summer, that was 2015, I think. So that first summer, God gave us that heat wave 
where nobody really cared what we were doing. It was, do you have bathrooms? Do you have air conditioning? Do you have a place where my grandmother can sit down comfortably? And that was, literally, that's how we marketed it. Like, we're not Masada. You don't need to climb over a mountain. Everybody will be fine. You'll eat a pretzel and you'll go home. And with the heat wave that summer, it was like, oh, okay. We were sort of, we were, we were working it really well. Right, it started. And there was this, like, tension between, you know, like, well, we were, you know, we're, working and baking breads and baking the bakery, but then there's a workshop, and we still have that tension a little bit. Oh, we do. Well, also now we have Lonnie. God bless Lonnie. Lonnie, God bless you. Um, because there's this, it's very hard to find this perfect combination of what you need. I need somebody who's like a great educator and someone who truly understands mm. bread, and it feels like there are two people in the world that get that. It's you and Lonnie Sachs. And so the two of you have this, you know, <coughs> almost this rotation going of running these workshops because you both have this knowledge, which is really unique to the two of you. And also very happy to say that I think we, 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 you know, Lonnie has, um, Lonnie has, uh, owned the way she runs workshops. Yeah. So she's really, I, I, I haven't been to a Lonnie workshop in a while. Um, but I, I, I think there, 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 I think there are some, there are some, there are some differences and I, and I, I love that. So I tried, I, I try meeting Lonnie workshops I, I like going to. I try to avoid all of your workshops because I'm, I micromanage. Like, I, I'm like, I'm listening to you and I'm tense. Like, maybe you forgot to tell that story or look, that person doesn't seem engaged. Maybe you should pay attention. Or so I feel like I need to not be there. Like, I get nervous when I'm there. I like when you're there. It's nice. <laughs> the truth is you did run one workshop. And I ran one. Gila and I talked about it in our podcast. I ran one workshop when you were in the States. I don't know how to make pretzels. I don't know how to do anything, which is fine. I'm very skilled at other things. Just like, this is not my thing. Like stand up. No, no. That would be my nightmare scenario. Yeah, nightmare but that's scenario. what it was. That, yes, the <laughs> workshop itself was stand up because I didn't know what I was doing. So you just have to sort of fill the space with stuff. Don't worry. If you're listening and you think you were in that workshop, you weren't. You can request a Devora workshop. <laughs> you cannot request. I will never do it again. I think it was for like NCSY. We love them. They come every summer. They're fabulous. Um, but I do think it was like a jolt or an ice or some kind of one word that's a very intense word. That's who we did it for. Um, but I will say that part of what made the workshops nice was this idea that like so many people were like curious about like what is David Katz doing? Like what just happened? Either it was like gawking at like roadkill on the side of the road. Like how did this just happen to them? Or it was like nice curiosity of like, What's going on? Well, a lot of the tourism workshops <clears throat> are like, we could have been that guy. Well, you know, we like, are that guy. Yeah, I do agree with that. Also, we market it as like, oh, everybody knows David Katz. Like, David Katz was either your camp counselor or someone like him was, or who's your college roommate or someone like him was. Like, it's David Katz. Like, oh, David Katz. So it felt that we were sort of pushing that view of like, oh, it's David. But then what happened was, and you loved this. Well, let me say one other thing before I say what we loved. Here's what we don't love. There are two videos <laughs> that play in the workshop. And so we have listened to them now, I mean, charitably, a thousand times. I could probably, like, if you wake me up in the middle of the night and you're like, start the video, I could probably tell you the words. Well, it's, I, I could it's sing more, the song. <laughs> it's more the Israeli high school staff that listens to these videos day in and day out that are not, the Hebrew is not their mother, English is not their mother tongue. <coughs> they can actually, they... Verbatim. Verbatim. Yeah. You can see them like mouthing the words. <laughs> 
It's true. We do have those videos that go. And I do think that workshops have like different feelings. Like I will say that there have been some workshops that have been my favorites. There have been like surprise guests at workshops. Like often like we know who's coming to the workshop. So we know like does Devorah need to pop in? Is it someone she went to high school with? Does she know the parents? Or is it like a food blogger that we should show up for to meet? Um, but every once in a while there are like these surprise, little surprise nuggets that get thrown out there uh, that feel kind of fun. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You recall none of them at 9.20 at night, do you? I mean, surprise nuggets are like, no, the, well, the surprise nuggets are more like, oh my gosh, you're my college roommate from 20 years ago. Yes, your <clears> college <throat> roommate did come. No, no, your hotel roommate came? I don't know who came. No, people yes. meet each other. It's like, Oh, sure. I see what you're saying. Yes, <clears throat> one week, it was as if the pulpit rabbi in Bergenfield, New Jersey, where I don't think I know anybody from Bergenfield, do you? Not maybe. I don't think we know anybody from Bergenfield. It was as <clears throat> if the rabbi got up and in his sermon that week said, you all should rise, <laughs> head to the Holy Land, and go to David mm. Katz's bakery. Because it was almost like a shul board meeting in there. Everybody walked in, and they were just all from Bergenfield. And they didn't know. They didn't plan it together. I think it was Bergenfield. It could have been Edison. <clears throat> okay, so there was that. <clears throat> there was that. There was, there, there was the shidduch. <gasps> the shidduch. This was a wonderful story. Wonderful story. There were, we were running some random workshop in the summer. You were running a workshop. And as I say it, there was this... There were these, you know, these two um, singles. No, two families. Meaning two, they were two there. Two families, families were there, and as I say it, they, you know, were not paying attention to the workshop. Oh, uh, the way I tell the story is that you were boring. <laughs> I was boring. Okay. <laughs> I was like, it is because David was boring that the two of them got together. Okay. You don't want to go there. Don't. I don't. You know. <laughs> they met at your workshop. They met at our workshop. Then Someone few, then set them up. Then they got set up, and then a few months, then a few months later, they called the the, the guy. He called. Called, he, called. He, he called. He's like, hey. We're in a workshop. Um, I want to propose. I want to come out to an. I want to bring her out to another special workshop on Saturday night, and we'll do a workshop, and then I'm gonna like propose. Right. So all of those words are like magic to my ears because it it fills all these needs that I have. One. Nobody ever does anything on Saturday night. So here we had like a little activity and we didn't need to go into your shalim and we didn't need to eat dinner after Shabbat. So one, I had an activity. Two, it was going to be so like photogenic. Like what a picture, picture perfect engagement. Like, you know, by the, by the oven, by making cute pretzels. They're so adorable. So I was literally skulking in the background. Do you remember that? I was waiting outside workshop until after he proposed so I could come in to make sure that we got the picture. But yes, we have a shidduch that came out of the bakery. We love that. And it was nice because like the, you know, her mother, you know, and I kind of like um, met a year or so before when I was baking matzot in New York. But she's from <clears throat> SAR? Right. Yeah. Something like that. I just feel like, look, I think that there's always these connectors and the, these connections that happen. Um, I personally love, so I love a couple of things for you. I love people who come from Cleveland who are like proud of you. It's not like you were a bum or a derelict and they were nervous if you were going to like, you know, get off the streets and make something of yourself. But there are people who are just have this genuine pride of like, oh, we knew David Katz in Green Road Synagogue. He was such a cute little boy. And now here he is. I love those people. Me too. Tibor. <clears throat> I like when Tibor comes. Yes. When the butcher comes. When um your mom's friends come. I love that. I Meaning there are oh, there are all these like it's so nice when that happens for you. So I like that for you. And I also like for you, I think you're not gonna know what I'm gonna say, but I also like for you people who come whose parents were bakers in Europe. <clears throat> right. So I, I Evernote. <clears throat> right. So I collect stories. I collect meaning in in, in, in about 
you know, every, you know, season, I, we get to collect, I get to collect these special stories of like, oh, my, my grandfather was a baker. You know, and like in some, well, just last week, oh, it's my, my, it's my grandfather's or father's yard site today, and we decided to do the bakery thing today. Like, and you get these great stories, because bakeries are these wonderful places. Bakeries are like, you know, very, very central parts of communities, and the baker becomes, to a great degree, a fixture of the community. Which <clears throat> doesn't happen in our community anymore. Like... I mean, I don't know any other bakers. Like, I think that, like, you're unique in that that in the 21st century, you're returning to something that had, had so much significance years ago and now sort of just, like, tossed out there. Do you agree with me No, no, that? That, that's exactly. I mean, we talked to, um, you know, I know more about this in the last podcast, that the, the, the community baker is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a position that, um, that has almost been forgotten. And artisan bakeries kind of bring this back. Um, it's, it's discussed in a lot of the books. It's discussed in Alan Scott talks about this, um, which was very inspiring to me. And, um, I, we continue to talk about it with, uh, with my, my teacher, with Norm Morrell. We, um, we, we talk about how the, uh, the, the relationship of the bakery to the community, um, be it very simply providing daily breads to being a place where people can gather and, you know, like I tell them, talk about in the workshops, the place where people would bring their, their chalent on Friday afternoon to the baker's oven, all, all these kinds of things. So I love that idea. And I, meaning, so the idea was that really in, in the shtetls in Europe, people didn't have ovens that were keeping things warm for all of Shabbat. So they would bring it, they would bring their cholins to the baker's oven Friday afternoon. Which retained heat throughout the weekend. Which retained heat throughout the weekend. <laughs> and then they would come and get collected on Shabbat. There was some story about kids getting sick. Do you remember that story? <clears throat> No. There were... Um, oh, yes, 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 you yes. You do know it, right? <coughs> yeah, so this is a cross-culture. So the, when, the, when the Yushalayim police came for a workshop, um, they were telling... You know, they were, we were talking about this and that the other. And like, yeah, in Morocco, the same thing happened, where the, the kids broke into the Frena, which was the name of their oven. They broke into the oven to take the challenge on Friday night. And then Shabbos morning, there was no, no challenge left. And they're like, hey, you know, who, who are the culprits? Who did this? And they're like... Oh, the kids with the stomach aches because, you know, it wasn't fully cooked yet. <clears throat> so they, they, that's how they, they found them. And then, to my, in my opinion, this, um, this, this is what uh, created this Moroccan custom of the safta, the grandma sleeping next to the child on Friday night, even though it's because the grandma needs to worry about if you have to add water or take it off the fire or whatnot. I think it's about keeping the teenagers away. So there are two things that I'm going to say that make this more hilarious. The first thing that makes it more hilarious is that for a couple of years in Alone Shvut, David and I ran this chillant competition, right? Where, um, where people like, you know, different members of the community, 15 or 17 different people competed and we threw this huge kiddish and everybody tried the chillants and then there was like a winner, like the People's Choice Award and then there was a Judges Award. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, but there was one Moroccan safta where um, she wasn't going to get to sleep next to the children, but she had instructed her children to come in and check on the children in the middle of the night. So I said to the kids, who weren't kids, meaning they're grown-ups, I said, oh, do you want the key to the kitchen to like go in and check? And he's like, oh, we don't need a key. 
Like, we'll get in. Like, there's this way to just, we're going to find that cholent. So that was a hilarious one. And the hilarious number two is that when we had the bread oven right in our backyard, I'm gesturing to my right because literally it was out my dining room windows where we're sitting right now. Do you see the lovely garden furniture we have there now? so happy. Um, but when it was in the yard, um, you would want to put things there Friday night to keep it hot. I did. And I thought you were like not normal. I'm like, there's literally a plot to plugged in. Why do you have to like, like, why do you have to make things more difficult? I just sort of didn't get the fact that you felt like you were like reliving history. That's what I was doing. I know. <laughs> I, know I now know that. And I would apologize, but part of me still feels like just a plant is sitting right there. But I get that you really loved putting things into the oven and then like taking it out on Shabbat. It was like a grand gesture that you were doing. It was, it was great. Great. I also remember there were so many stories of people who've been in the bakery on workshops whose families, whose parents... My, my, uh, my, my, my grandfather was the one that brought the chon to the, to the, to the baker. There was, a, there was a Holocaust story. Do you remember that? Somebody that fed no, bread? Do you remember? No, so there was this wonderful... This guy, his name is Sam Clear. And his grandfather was this baker from Europe, from Russia, and um, he um, he the grandfather had this story where he would um, he baked for the Russian army, and he would get every day he'd leave the bakery after after work, and he took out two rolls. So there's this poor man sit that would sit outside the bakery with no shoes, and collect uh, tzedaka. <clears throat> And he would uh, steal from the army, Russian army, which was dangerous. And he would give him two rolls. He said, here's one for you for the day. And here's one for you to sell so you can eventually buy a pair of shoes. And he did this for a long time. And this was, uh, well, you know, and, and again, it encapsulates this persona of Baker um, um, in many, many different way, parts of it. <clears throat> and, um, and then back, you know, everybody makes their way to New York. <clears throat> the grandfather makes his way to New York. He becomes the, uh, he, he works in some bakery. He's baking somewhere. And, um, and eventually, you know, you know, this guy, the, you know, the, this guy grew up with his Zadie, his grandfather, and he kind of knew him, but he didn't never saw him because he's always in the bakery. And then at Shiva, after his grandfather, after his grandfather passes, passes away, and they're sitting around swapping stories, and people start coming in. And of course, this good, again, goes back to this persona of baker, community baker. And some guy walks in, and he's like, you know, let me tell you a story. You know, when you're, uh, when you're back in Russia, your, father, your grandfather would come out of the bakery every day, and he's like, here, here's one roll for you, and here's one to go and sell. And, like, it's beautiful. So I'm still in touch with this guy. Now that I told the story, I'm going to send him an email and sure. say, get onto the podcast. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I feel like there are so many stories, meaning that one is particularly remarkable, but there are so many stories that I remember like people telling us like, oh, my grandfather owned a bakery but couldn't afford the flour, so what's the name of that? Robin Hood Flour <clears throat> supplied us with flour for like the first six months or until we got onto our feet. So it feels like you wouldn't expect so many people to have these traditional connections back to bakers or bakery life, but that is something that we found in the bakery. It's also possible that people are drawn to the workshop because they have a connector. Right. Look, sure. the truth is bakeries don't exist anymore. These kinds of bakeries don't exist anymore. Um, and it's, 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 it's one of our challenges in terms of, uh, you know, growing it and stuff. But um, this idea of the community bakery, this idea of the community baker, this idea... This, this, I think that it's popping up more and more. Meaning I can think yes. of different communities that, that do have a, a baker or bakery there. But it also, for me, speaks to this idea of, like, food is nurturing in a very real sense. 
So I find it with a lot of our workers, like a lot of our workers who either were in the rat race and are like stepping back to do something a little bit calming, or I find it in the front of the house with a lot of my staff where, you know, who are teenagers or in their early 20s, and this is something that's just calming. Uh, and I love that. I love the idea that this can be very calm. <clears throat> I think it's anything but calming, but I guess... <laughs> I, I Fine. I, I hear where you're going with it. But yes, no, I still am going to stand by like this idea of low tech being very calming. No, it's, it, you, we, we, find, we find good people. That's true. It's, you know, it's good work ethic. It's good people. It's, um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a long day's work. It's a hard, it's a, it's, it, it's a long day. <clears throat> um, but in the end, there's, there's a lot of good that um, is being rediscovered through this kind of like physical. It's true. And then you have the meaning and you have both components there, meaning you have this idea of the baking and you have this idea of the workshops, which I'm going to draw you back into. I want to say a couple of my favorite workshops. Do you remember that at some point uh, you did a workshop for the Mashkichim of Tnuva? Yes. The rabbis of Tnuva all came around like <coughs> touching and feeling and trying to understand the exact halachic significance of gluten, sourdough. sourdough, gluten, gluten development. I don't know. They seemed very enamored with it and very confused by it, but I liked that they all learned from it. I liked that workshop very much. I felt that it was very um, old rabbi-y. Well, it was the rabbis, the rabbis one. <clears throat> I and like then, the doctors. Uh, the doctors of Milchadet came. The doctors and the medical staff came, like, what's gluten? So I like that one also because a friend of mine took her child to a gastroenterologist like a month or two later, and the gastro said, have you heard of David Katz? Go buy his bread for your kid. And I thought, well, that's just... <laughs> I couldn't have, I couldn't have uh, created a better story or better advertisement. Another favorite of mine, for sure, is when the guys from Machon HaMikdash came to see you. They're very excited. Right, they're like, um, well, we don't understand how you make the breads and the Beit HaMikdash and the sourdoughs and not the sourdoughs and this, that, and we're talking about it, and they're like, oh, this is the guy that's going to be the calling that bakes, the, you know, running the bakery in the third temple. Yeah, so that feels very good. Like, I feel like I should write to a lot of my elementary school teachers who didn't think I was firm enough to be like, now listen... <laughs> I might have not been wearing socks with my sandals uh, for my childhood, but my husband is in the running to be the Kohen that makes bread in the base of Mikdash. There could be no better nerdy social climbing thing to say. Like, I feel like we, like, it feels like a big reveal. Like, it feels like if you've listened this long in this podcast, you've just learned this amazing piece of information, which is that when the base of Mikdash is rebuilt, um, Dave Katz, like maybe that guy will be making the bread. But here's the reason that you won't make it. Maybe you think that it's boring bread in the base of Mikdash. Well, it's not chametz. There's, I mean, I mean the, the breads of the, in the temple did not use sourdough because of the, exactly that, that, um, Sour was considered to be something um, negative and not uh, befitting of the temple. Um, so therefore, the, 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 um, the, the breads in the Beit HaMikdash were all, um, were all flatbreads or you know, straight breads or just doughs and you know, celebrating the fact that nature has given you this grain, you know, tam dagan kind of thing. <clears throat> so they're not, it was actually matzah. It's just amazing <clears throat> to me that like in this century, people are actively seeking out the people who will fill those jobs at some point. 
maybe I don't have enough like immense faith in, <laughs> I don't know, the rebuilding of the third temple within the next few years, but it's amazing that there are people who exist out there that do have that. So I love that group. I love when Christians come. I love Malaysians when they come, Christian groups, Mennonite groups, Amish groups, even though I don't fully understand how they can get on airplanes. I love when they come. Well, here's, 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 um, here's a, here's an important uh, point for me. Um, we get, it's an opportunity and this is, this is something we've built towards our entire lives. Um, in, as from our, like our camp and Bnei Akiva lives, we're like, you're, you know, you're rediscovering and having a fresh read of the, of the, the Jewish bookshelf. And you're like, well, you know what is what is what is chametz and what is pesach and what is <clears throat> chadash and what is yashan and what is chametz and matzah and is it mizonot and what makes it mizonot? And all these kinds of like questions and like and when you when you sit there around a table and you look at it and you work with it and you taste it and you're led to these questions um, and you're able to really have an open conversation about this, be it ultra orthodox, modern orthodox conservative, reform, Christian, non-Jewish, this becomes this wonderful, alive classroom of great <clears throat> conversation and learning. I think that really answers the question of how are you not bored if you've given this workshop or similar workshops, I don't know, like thousands of times since we've been open. Like there must be something that sort of makes it more exciting. And I think that's what it is. I think it's really the makeup of the room. The people that are in the room very often, like very often when we're booking workshops, people will ask like exactly what's <coughs> going to happen. And I always say like, it's very fluid. You know, if you're there and you really care about sourdough and gluten development, so we'll talk about that. But if you also really care about where in the Jewish holidays, in the Chagim, you see bread or you see harvest or you see agriculture, so then we'll go there. It seems very, very malleable. And I find that that's often like the most interesting thing that happens. Right. It's, uh, we know, I talked to Lani about this. Like we... Um... It's 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 this real it's this real teacher skill, of of taking your group, and um, working with them, to lead to to spark curiosity. A lot of people show up. Yeah, they told us to come. Let's see what happens. You know, like, you know, and especially now with a lot of the social media stuff, um, and people show up and like you know and like and you 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 always see like you know the, you know it's been a long day touring and like maybe I just want to sit down and then they kind of like. Wait, what, what, what do you say? What, what, what? <laughs> you know? And like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. It's true. It's always like the crotchety grandfather that they sort of just want to put in the corner on his iPhone. That will sort of like, there will be a moment where he'll, like his curiosity will be piqued or he'll remember a mishta that he learned or he'll ask you about a gemara that's connected to it. And then all of a sudden I see it in your eye like, I got you. Yeah, I got it now. <laughs> that's totally true. Look, for me, the other fun part is that all walks, all walks from our lives show up meaning and sometimes unbeknownst to us. But, you know, very often I'll walk into a workshop and I'll be like, oh, I was in elementary school with you. I know your brother, your sister and I were on this program together. So I'll find people literally from, I went to elementary school with you. I went to high school with you. My year in Israel, you were my sweet mate, I think from Orot. Uh, like our apartment has like eight people. I think six out of eight have been to the workshops. Maybe five out of eight have been to the workshops. And it, like not because of us, just because they're coming to a workshop. Um, I love people from Camp Stone that show up. I love people from Ennismore that show up. Um, today we had people that I grew up with in B'nai Torah and my shul in Toronto. So it feels like, it feels like every day there's sort of something new that's happening there. 
Yeah, it's um, it's um, it's in it's in it, it it's very much alive. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I agree. Meaning it's also something that I would have assumed like we would need to reinvent. Wait, we've done it this way. Now we should, you know, I like, you know, bedazzling things or shaking it up or changing things around. But the truth of the matter is like, it's such a, it's such a warm and welcoming space and the people that have filled it like that we have been blessed that the people who have filled it up until this point have been lovely. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tricky because you, you'll, you'll have a look in in higher, busier seasons. You'll have, um, oh, I know what you're going to like. But in busier seasons, you'll have five or six families that show up. And who knows who knows each other? You know, you can play Jewish Facebook in the beginning, and, you know, that, yep. that, that's fun sometimes. Um, but, um, you know, everybody, for the most part, <clears throat> like 99% of the time, really, really, everybody gets along, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's nice and comfortable and fun. Now, what you're going to like is the, this memory of the the grandparents, the matriarchs. Oh, that's so sweet. Yes, you're right. That's a that's the, a great the, thing. The matriarchs and the patriarchs of these families, these like families where they had five or six kids, okay? The kids are married. They I have their this. own kids. And you get one shot a year. I even remember the family that you're talking about because it was... You'd say dauphin, like it was unusual because it, they weren't American. Like very often, like during high tourist seasons, you're getting tourists. This was an Israeli family. Right, an Israeli family made Aliyah. They had five, six kids. They grew up. They're different parts around the country. You know, um, they have their kids, the cousins. I think it was 50 people in that room, all from those, from those great grandparents. Right, and it's like you have one day, you have one activity, and you got to... And what's it going to be this year? It's true. <clears throat> so sometimes, look, very often, like, booking a workshop is pretty simple. It's not really a big deal. You tell me the date. I tell you the time. I tell you the price. Done. You know, letter of confirmation goes out. Every once in a while, you've got to go back and forth with some people numerous times. Fine. This woman happened to... I must have gone back and forth with her 50 times. And I remember feeling a little bit frustrated. Like, how many times can I answer the same question? What what type of salad will I bring? What sandwich will I... I mean, it was... She, she cared so so deeply. What's your hashgacha? The, really? Always hashgacha. Always hashgacha. But she, they came and I got it. I totally mm. understood. Because you have this one day a year with your kids and their kids and even their kids and it has to be perfect. And it was. Meaning they did a perfect day with them. But that was, it was so emotional no, to be part of that. No, but you see the hadras panim of, of uh, grandparents who are magadel banim in Eretz Yisrael and they really, this is their family. Yeah. Look, I will say also that there is something very nice about the intergenerationalness. I know that's not a word, of the workshops, meaning the grandparents are taking part in it, and the kids are taking part in it, and the grandkids are taking part in it. There's a lot of like the bar mitzvah groups that come in with like bar mitzvah swag, like everybody wearing like the sweatshirt, Albert's bar mitzvah, with the hats, with the scarves, with the water bottles. There's something that's very nice about being part of like a stop on those tours that we love. Yes, the party buses show up. I love the party bus. I do love that party bus. Um, let's stop with one one party bus that I loved almost the most much. Um, it was a Mennonite group that you knew from Sugar Ohio. Creek, Ohio. <clears throat> and um, they planned to come. They'd come numerous times. This must have been the first group that came. And as you were doing the workshop and answering the, what does Jesus, like what bread would Jesus eat? What flour would he have used? You know, that whole line. It became apparent that like, they would love to see the yeshiva, yeshivat haratzion. That's where you, you went post-college. You got smicha through them. And, um, and so we took them, meaning from, from um, 
the bakery. It's not far away. We recommend going to visit, obviously. <laughs> it's not far away at all. And you just took this group of Mennonites straight into the Beit Midrash. And I would have to say that at a certain place, like some of the men from the group looked like they were shtetl Jews. The women, maybe less so, even though they the were bonnets. wearing bonnets. They had <laughs> bonnets. Um, but they're just standing in the base Midrash of, um, of Gush. Gush. And, <laughs> and you think... How, like it's this it's this convergence of these crazy aspects of your life like the campstone where like the Amish were so such a big part of like building campstone or involved in campstone and the uh, and the yeshiva which was so pivotal for you and and the baking which you had continued on to and they're all sort of standing there in one room and there's this real moment of like wow this is some kind of full circle <laughs> <laughs> that most people don't get to experience. Meaning, I don't know that most people could um, could find themselves in that place. You have a lot of Shehechiyanu v'kimanu v'giyanu l'zman hazeh moments. It's true. I do feel that way. You're totally you know, these, right. These, these have happened numerous times Yeah. in the past few years. You know, like, wow, these worlds collided just now. Yeah. Boom. It's this beautiful appreciation of the bracha of Shehechiyanu where... Everything you worked on on your past, your hopes for the future, all come together in the present and this moment, Basman Hazet. And that's a real blessing. We are blessed. Thank God. Yeah, I could not have said it better. That was very beautiful, David. Um, okay, I think we're going to end here. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh, you did great. Um, as always, if you like our podcast, if you toss out a rating or review on iTunes, that seems to magically help us. So we thank you for that. Um, tons of things in the show notes, videos that we've talked about today, recipes for odd drinks that we've, um, that we've thrown out there. And thank you very much. Have a great day, everybody.